Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Organizers of the Clean Air No Excuses rally, which happened on Saturday in Salt Lake City, say that each year clean air protections measures are considered at the legislature, and each year many of those proposals fail to become law. They say it's time for a change. It's time for Utah's elected leaders to listen to the people. They go on to say we must turn over every stone to find strong proposals to protect our families and our communities. We're going to talk about this on the program today, and we want to know what you think. What measures do you think the 2017 Utah legislature should pass regarding air quality? What else can and should be done? What are you doing uh, to improve uh, air quality? Um, And we want to hear your story. How are you and your family doing during the inversions when the air is bad? At least anecdotally, I'm hearing from friends that uh, when it's battered or not even that bad, uh, that their health is really uh, taking a hit. Uh, what about air masks? Are you wearing an air mask? And uh, this has kind of become a form of protest as well. Uh, are you or would you consider wearing an air mask or, or a face mask as a form of protest? Uh, to uh, protest and uh, ask for more to be done on uh, this issue. You can respond right now to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at upraxcess. And you can call us during this hour, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Here is, I wanted to share this, this is from a year ago. But it seems like uh, the change is very incremental, especially at the legislature. That's, uh, I think, in part what the protest on Saturday was about, uh, to speed change up, especially with regard to policy. And uh, so this is a uh, Dan Jones and Associates poll uh, commissioned by utahpolicy.com almost exactly a year ago. This article uh, by Brian Schott is uh, from the 28th of January from 2016. And uh, the poll asked respondents, which of the following do you support the Utah legislature doing to improve air quality during uh, inversions? And uh, so here are the range of things that the people were offered, or at least offered to the pollster, that the legislature should do. Enact mandatory no-drive days. That got 11%. Require refineries to relocate outside urban areas. 28%. Fund discounted public transit passes during inversions. 55%. Offer tax credits for clean energy purchases in cars and homes. 62%. That was the highest response. Pass stricter emissions requirements for automobiles. 33%. Pass stricter emissions regulations for industry. That's 48%. And other, 9%, and don't know, 7%. Uh, so those are ranging from very strict uh, uh, measures to, uh, to not as strict. Uh, enacting mandatory no-drive days would be, of course, cut into uh, many people's lifestyle, 11%. The highest offer tax credits for clean energy purchases of cars and homes. And the next uh, highest fund discounted public transit passes during inversions. I want to know what you think. What uh, suggestions do you have? Uh, do, what would you say uh, if offered those options uh, to uh, really push at the Utah legislature this uh, session, a year after that poll? Um, I want to uh, read you this quote. This is from the same article. Representative Patrice Erelt, Democrat from Salt Lake City, says, it's going to take some hard, making some hard choices. There's not a lot of low-hanging fruit left. That was a year ago. 
As we improve transit, that will help, getting people out of their cars, encouraging people to fund, find other ways to get to work. It's a lot of different things. That's Representative Arendt. Governor Gary Herbert, a year ago, uh, touted progress the state had made improving air quality during his State of the State Address. By the way, I hope you tuned in for his uh, latest State of the State Address last night. So a year ago, Governor Herbert says we've reduced total emissions by approximately 35% over the past 10 years, but the data means very little when the inversion sets in and those emissions hang in the valleys. There's important work yet to be done. Um, and uh, I want to read this comment from that same article from utahpolicy.com. This is Champianos is how this person uh, identifies themselves and I, self, and I think uh, speaks for a lot of people, perhaps for you, uh, you can call in 800-826-1495, let me know, or upraxcess at gmail.com. Looking for specific suggestions that you would like to see enacted by the 2017 Utah Legislature, uh, specific measures that you would like to see uh, taken, uh, perhaps uh, suggestions for lifestyle modifications that you've done, you suggest others would do, and uh, Champianos gets to that point. Uh, here's what uh, they said. There is an unfortunate trend that's obvious here. We all want somebody else to do something. We don't want to do anything ourselves. For example, the poll shows that people, especially those voting Republican, want stricter regulations on industry but don't want tighter emission standards on their automobiles, presumably because it would cost them something, as if controls on industrial emissions wouldn't. Our air will not get better until we're all willing to put some skin in the game. We all breathe. We should all invest something in solving this problem. That's uh, Champianos uh, from that article, and that's a year ago, and of course uh, the problem uh, hasn't uh, been solved, problem hasn't got that much better, and we're looking for your suggested solutions, especially as uh, regards the Utah legislature. 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. This is an interesting comment as well. This is uh, from several months ago. Um, an article, uh, one of the television stations, I'm, I apologize, I, I can't remember which one, uh, but Sean Teagan, who we talked to on Monday from Utah Policy, from Utah Foundation, uh, somewhat facetiously uh, said, that, well, the, the, the only complete solution uh, to this problem is that we all move. Of course, we, we know that's true on one level, um, and we know, of course, that's not a solution on another level. That's the only way it totally gets better, but... Uh, stipulating that we don't all move, um, how do we solve this uh, problem? Uh, interesting range of uh, solutions, potential solutions uh, here in in this uh, Dan Jones survey. Uh, do you agree with enacting mandatory no drive days? Would you comply? I know that uh, in Cache Valley they uh, tried voluntary no drive days, and you'd see those signs up saying, "Please reduce your driving," and uh, I noticed, and I was part of the problem. I was in traffic noticing those signs and looked like uh, many other people had not complied with that. Are you in favor of enacting mandatory no-drive days? Uh, would you require refineries to relocate outside urban areas? Uh, of course, many of those costs would have passed along to us. Uh, would you fund discounted public transit passes during inversions? How about offering tax credits for clean energy purchases in cars and homes? Would you be in favor of passing stricter emissions requirements for automobiles? Uh, what about passing stricter emissions regulations for uh, industry? 
Um, love to hear what you think uh, about about those. Uh, here is what uh, the Clean Air No Excuses rally organizers are pushing for. One of the specifics, they say uh, clean air advocates uh, are urging state officials to submit a bold plan to control air pollution to the EPA. They say it's been more than 10 years since northern Utah's valleys began falling under federal health standards for air pollution. The EPA has set a deadline for the end of 2017 for Utah to finally come up with a strong plan to come into compliance. And so the organizers are pushing for a what they call a bold plan to submit to the EPA. EPA, in turn, has set a deadline for 2017. Of course, uh, who knows, that may change under a new uh, presidential administration. Uh, so the organizers of the rally... Uh, include uh, physicians, Utah Physicians for Healthy Environment, uh, Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance. Shortly, we'll talk to someone from that organization, Utah Rivers Council, Utah Moms for Clean Air, and uh, Sierra Club. We have our first call for the program. Uh, Cheryl uh, joins us. Uh, welcome to the program. Glad you called. Are, are you there? Oh, we're still uh, we're still getting her on the line, so we'll go to her uh, uh, shortly. Um, thanks for calling, Cheryl. You can call. Love to know what you think. 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, Cheryl, do we have you on the line? Are, are you there? Okay, we're, we're still working on uh, on getting her in. Uh, Cheryl, are you there? Yes. Oh, okay, apologize for the problems with the phone there. Um, okay. glad- <laughs> I was changing phones so I could hear better, so that's <laughs> part of the problem. Um, I have a question that I really want to have someone answer if automobiles are one of the biggest causes of air pollution, why is so much effort spent on trying to get more people to move here? I just don't get it. It it makes us have to have more schools. It it, it produces more air quality poorness. I just I really do want to know an answer to that question. Okay, well, let's bring in a representative from uh, from MESA, which is the uh, Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance. This is uh, Soren, is it? Yeah, Soren uh, Simonson. Good Sor- morning. Soren Simonson, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, I don't know if you were able to hear Cheryl's question. I did. Uh, what, what would you say? Well, uh, being a family-friendly state certainly makes this an appealing place to, for people to move, but... Uh, Coincidentally, because uh, of, of our large family size and household population, which is much higher than the national average, most of our growth is coming internally. Uh, we have families, so we're basically doubling our population every generation, so about every 20 years or so. And that's on uh, kind of consistent with growth projections that have been released by the governor's office, Envision Utah, and other organizations that we're expecting to see the population of the state basically double uh, in the next 20 to 30 years. And most of that's internal growth. Internal growth. Uh, so what would you yeah. say, uh, we'll, we'll treat, uh, well, let's let's treat the, uh, the Cheryl's question specifically now. Um, so if most of it's coming from internal growth, sounds like Cheryl. Um, I, I don't know what you would uh, say to that. Uh, you, you, would, you would say, let's stop advertising for people to come here, A, <laughs> right? And then B, yeah, you would encourage would. people I, to... I, I would. What would you say about the internal growth of the large families? Well, I, of course, want my children to live here, and some of them do. I want my grandchildren to live here. That I am fully supportive of. Um, but, it, 
but all trying to get all these people to move here, I just don't get. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, try to get that word into our legislators. We'll have a couple of legislators on <laughs> okay. later in the program. So thanks for that. Thank Pre- appreciate you that, very much. Thank you. That was Cheryl uh, who uh, called us. You can call as well. We'd love to know. Uh, I've been uh, giving you the, the the kind of that list of of uh, proposals that was tested about a year ago uh, by Dan Joe's Associates, uh, a poll for utahpolicy.com. I'm not sure if uh, people's attitudes have changed since then. Probably not. Um, some draconian uh, moves, you know, mandatory no-drive days. Uh, Soren Simonson, what, uh, what, what is MESA uh, proposing? Well, MESA is part of a coalition that includes a number of organizations that are focusing on clean air issues. Uh, we join Heal Utah, Utah Physicians for Healthy Environment, um, Utah Moms for Clean Air and other organizations. And we've put together a 19-point, what we call our Clean Air Blueprint for Utah, uh, and includes some general provisions, such as additional funding for the Division of Air Quality, so that they can continue to promote and educate the public about things that individuals can do. Uh, and that's a really big issue. Um, you know, the, the advertising costs a lot of money, but it's really the best way to educate people about how they can make choices in their own daily habits, often very small things, uh, you know, chaining trips together uh, while you're out running one errand, do another thing, taking transit. Not everybody can take transit every day, and not every community in Utah has access to transit, but those that do, uh, it's certainly a small shift. If you don't have to run errands and your car is going to be parked in a uh, parking lot all day anyway, why not take transit? We've got one of the best transit systems in the U.S., Thanks to our legislature and uh, great transit agencies, uh, communities all over from Park City, which is free, uh, Logan's uh, transit system, which I believe is free or fairly low cost. It is free, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and the Greater Wasatch Front, which is all under the Utah Transit Authority, which covers 10 counties. So we've got great transit systems, and we just have to take advantage of those. And um, so boosting funding for transit, uh, I know a number of communities have raised their transit tax uh, in the last year with through some voter referenda. Um, these are things that the legislature can continue to support. Uh, we'd also like to see the via- electric vehicle tax credit uh, extended. Uh, and there's a, a move, I think, to do that. Capital uh, Representative uh, Handy has proposed extending that tax credit. Uh, you know, one of the best things we can do for personal vehicles is to replace especially older model vehicles uh, that are the most uh, polluting vehicles to clean air vehicles. Uh, that's a that's an easy thing to do. Eventually, people are going to have to replace. Most people are going to have to replace their vehicles anyway, and so having that tax credit in place to create additional incentives uh, for electric vehicles, which are already pretty cost competitive with other kinds of uh, combustion engine vehicles, is a pretty wise move to make. And the tax credit only makes that a little easier. Let me let me. Mr. Sorensen, Mr. Sorensen, sorry, uh, let me pause you right there. I do want to hear more from from Mesa. We want to fit in a call here from Maria and Logan. Uh, Maria, uh, Maria, glad you called. Uh, Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, Well, I'm supportive of, you know, most of these measures we're talking about. Um, But I think also we could maybe enlist nature a little bit better in helping us solve some of these problems. Um, You know, in my... um, some of my gardening books, um, I've read that it takes five trees per person to replenish the oxygen that every individual breathes. And I think just 
planting more trees would help, particularly in these massive parking lots we have all over the state. These broad, empty parking lots full of cars, many of them idling, um, just having more trees in those parking lots, I think would help a little bit. And I think we could certainly work on the idling problem that's going on in these parking lots. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Maria. Uh, by the way, how, how are you and your family doing during the inversions? Do you have any problems? Um, we're doing okay. My son mm-hmm. is having some pain in his lungs, um, which uh, he hasn't ever complained of until, you know, just this last month. So we're a little concerned about that. Uh, we run air purifiers in the house and limit our, you know, excursions, do all our errands in one stint, and, you know, we try and conserve um, but yeah, we're starting to feel some effects this winter, particularly. Okay, Maria, appreciate the call. Th- thanks for the suggestions. Uh-huh, thank you. Thank you. And as Maria suggests, uh, you know, we're, we're all in this. Um, uh, Soren Simonson, I wonder, uh, uh, we could enlist nature better, planting more trees. And that, that uh, brings up one of the one of your 19 points from Mesa Mormon Environmental Stewardship Lands. Soren Simonson is with us uh, for another few minutes here. And then we're going to be talking with Representative Steve Handy and later with Rep- Senator Luz Escamilla. We're talking about air quality. Uh, so this one I didn't immediately connect up with air quality. Uh, you, you're calling for ending Bear River diversions. Uh, that's water quality, not air quality, isn't it? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, there. Uh, well, it's not so much water quality as it has to do with uh, the lake levels in the Great Salt Lake. Um, I don't know how closely you've been following the, the prison relocation. Uh, on the shores of the Great Salt Lake, but one of the issues that's been raised, which is really impactful to everybody, is that as the lake levels continuing to drop and the Bear River diversion, which would take one of the major tributaries to the Great Salt Lake and divert it to other uh, needs, uh, will con- continue to exacerbate the, the shrinkage of the Great Salt Lake. And what that does is it exposes all of the pollutants from years of mining, heavy industry, um, r- you know, raw sewage dumped into the lake, and exposes all of those pollutants now uh, through dust storms uh, and uh, and winds along the shores of the Great Salt Lake. We have a huge population in Weaver, Davis, and Salt Lake and Tooele counties that live very close to the lakeshore. And, uh, and so as more of the lake bed is exposed, mercury, lead, uh, other heavy metals, and lots of, uh, of toxic uh, pollutants, that lie on the lake bed now become exposed and become a potential risk. I mean, Farmington Bay is essentially dry last year, and that will only continue to expand other parts of the lake close to population. So that's the biggest part of the the Bear River Diversion Program is concern about the shrinking lake levels and what that will do to people, millions of people that live immediately along the shores of the Great Salt Lake today. Yeah, illustrating that it's it's all interconnected, isn't it? The airshed, the watershed, uh, everything's interconnected. Uh, what would you say uh, about idling? Maria brought this up, and this we've done an episode, at least one episode of this program, where we brought on a psychologist and talked about behavior modification and and you yeah. know team norming, and uh, you know uh, some people will uh, will connect up the dots and and cut out their idling, and and others uh, will will go on ahead. Yeah, you know that's the biggest part of the education campaign that I talked about earlier is just helping people understand that there's a link. You know, I I walk my daughter to and from elementary school every day and see lots of idling cars in the parking lot and right around kids who are some of the most susceptible to to air quality um, issues. And so 
putting up signs, having campaigns. Kids can be a big part of encouraging their parents to turn off the key and be idle-free, as the slogan goes. So there's a lot that we can do, but it is a massive education campaign, and that take, does take some funding. What would you say about uh, education, quote-unquote, at the legislature? It seems like the, the Clean Air No Excuses rally, uh, <laughs> just in the title, indicates some impatience with this. And, and uh, you know, the organizers, uh, which include your group, uh, talk about incremental change of legislature and that, that that's no longer good enough, at least from the perspective of the rally organizers. What, what would you like to see happen? Well, we are uh, very actively campaigning, uh, both our organizations, and including Mesa and many private citizens, to see the legislature do more. You know, we can't put everything uh, that has to do with improving air quality on the legislature, but there are some things that they alone can do. Uh, we're asking them to address fuel efficiency, to address clean, cleaner fuels, to address things like uh, better emission uh, standards and, and, and a universal emission testing across the state, especially for diesel vehicles, which have in the past been exempt and are some of the most polluting vehicles. So these are things that only the legislature can do, and we're asking for them to do their part. But like you say, there are things that people, everyday people can do in their everyday activities, behavioral modification, which are equally important, and we, we've got to keep working on those too. So there's no panacea. You're not going to find one thing that's going to solve it. It's going to be a combination. But the clean air, no excuses, is really to say, you know, the, the years of talking about air quality, which has been at the top of many legislators and the governor's agenda for at least five or six years, but very little materially has been done. Uh, we, we can't continue that trend. Uh, you know, the decisions that they're making at the end of the session, the skies are usually blue. And so it kind of becomes less important in those final days of the legislature. Um, right now, we see clear evidence that it needs to happen, but as the legislative session evolves, uh, it tends to drop to a lower priority. And so we're going to try and keep the pressure up this year to see some really meaningful changes happen. Uh, I wonder, going back to Cheryl's point, uh, why does the state, you know, why the advertising campaigns encouraging people to move here? And then you pointed out that uh, most of the growth is internal. Um, and uh, going back to the quote of Sean Teagan, policy director of the Utah Foundation, um, this is a quote from a few months ago. He, he, you know, facetiously he said, well, the only way to completely solve the problem is for everybody to move. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we know that's, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think the problem probably would be solved if everybody moved. Um, but, of course, uh, you know, the people don't want to move. They love living here. So I want to go to that yeah. internal growth. Of course, the Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance, uh, the LDS Church, would probably wouldn't be on board for reducing family size. How, you know, what, what would you say to the, to the growth? Well, uh, you know, we, we advocate, uh, a lot of our mission is based on uh, LDS teachings, and we certainly wouldn't advocate to, you know, restrict population growth, but we advocate what the Church's position has been, and that is that it's a decision between a husband and wife and, and, and God, and we encourage people to make those decisions wisely. But we do know, I mean, the, the air's not the worst that it's ever been, particularly in the Salt Lake Valley. Um, you know, many people um, that are that are aging will remember when we had a lot of factory um, point source pollutants. That was largely regulated in the 1970s by the EPA. Uh, we are concerned about what's happening with the EPA today, with the new administration nationally. Uh, we can talk about that if we have time. But um, as the population's now grown, we're kind of getting back into that level of really, really unhealthy air, and we can't point to industry any longer. 
we have to point to the ways we plan and design our communities and the, the actions that we're doing personally. There's still a lot we can do with industry, to be sure. Um, but the biggest so- sources of the fine particulate pollution, which are particularly problematic for lungs, um, uh, physical health, mental health, uh, those are all tied to uh, primarily automobile emissions and secondarily to building emissions. And those are ones that we can tackle. Um, better energy codes, more energy-conserving infrastructure for buildings and homes. Uh, those are things that the legislative uh, legislature has been really resistive to. And we're way behind the U.S. and, frankly, the, the entire civilized world in terms of energy efficiency. And that's a simple change to make that will get at all the new homes being built, new businesses being built, and has very, very little cost impact. In fact, in the long term, it's actually a cost savings to homeowners and businesses. So it's really just the lobby groups, the home builders groups, that are really uh, kind of making that an issue. But it's it, it's really a non-issue. Um, we have the technology; it's affordable, and we ought to have modern building codes today that tackle energy efficiency. One of the uh, we'll have you on for another about a minute. Uh, we're going to go shortly to Representative Handy. I want to talk Great. about this. Uh, one of the points in your 19-point plan: develop a strong, serious quote-unquote, SIP in 2017. Uh, you, you go on to say in this uh, that Utah has been violating federal health standards for more than 10 years, has a new deadline for the end of 2017 for submitting a plan to the EPA to come into compliance. Um, so the uh, suggestion is Governor Herbert, legislative leaders must uh, charge the State Division of Air Quality to include bold proposals in those uh, plans. What would that uh, strong, serious SIP look like? Well, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, the legislature did adopt measures to actually have stricter regulations with regard to air quality than than EPA. Uh, We've been uh, out of attainment frequently over the last decade. We don't know what the future of the EPA is now at the national level uh, with the new administration, but this is an opportunity for the state to recognize that we can take control, and this is a state's rights issue, right? We can take, take control of our future and have... Uh, air quality standards that are stricter than the EPA and that really recognize that we've got a health crisis going on. We have over a 1,000 people dying in Utah every year directly attributable to air quality. If that's not a health crisis, I don't know what one is. So this is something that we need to get serious about and we can take action and, and have stronger standards that get at all of the things that we've talked about from vehicle emissions to building emissions to industrial emissions and create a solution for Utah by Utahns. And that's what we're asking the legislature to do. Well, we uh, thank you so much. Soren Simonson from the Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance has uh, joined us. Thank you. You bet. Happy to be with you. And uh, you can call. We'd love to hear your suggestions, 800-826-1495, or you can uh, uh, join us at upraccess.gmail.com. Let's take a very brief break, and then we'll have Representative Stephen Handy, Republican from Layton, on with us. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing information, events, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the USU Provost Office, Center for Women and Gender, promoting discussion and research on gender issues and the intersection of social justice and culture. Information at cwg.usu.edu. 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking about air quality. There was a rally happening on Saturday in Salt Lake City. The title of the rally uh, says a lot, Clean Air, No Excuses. Organizers are saying that uh, there's been incremental uh, improvements, uh, measures of the legislature. It's time to speed that up, and uh, we're talking about that on the program today. We're asking you how you and your family are doing during the inversions. Uh, what should be done, just in general, or what should the Utah legislature pass uh, specifically? And we bring in Representative Stephen Handy, uh, Republican from uh, Layton. Representative Handy, welcome back to the program. Well, good morning. Happy to be here with you today. And uh, we will uh, move through this uh, quickly. We know you have to be done by 40 past okay. uh, to, to, to move Sorry. on to uh, yeah. probably legislative work there. Uh, busy days, I imagine, for you. Uh, so I believe you were at the rally? Yes, I was at the rally and uh, had the opportunity to speak about two two bills that I'm running that are uh, clean air bills that have to do with vehicles. Uh, tell us about those bills. You bet. Uh, I've, I've kind of been known for, for the last several years about my school buses, and I've been working on a big initiative to try to replace uh, these dirty diesel, diesel school buses. We have 2,800 school buses in the uh, you know, in the statewide fleet, and about uh, 450 of them are, are 2006 and older, and they're dirty diesel. And uh, and I've been trying to do this for several years. There's been no no funding source, but lo and behold, the Volkswagen cheating scandal. And Governor Herbert talked about it last night. Reference the school buses. We're going to get about 32 million bucks, and I'm asking for 20 million dollars from that 32 million to replace these school buses. Mm-hmm. That's right. The 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 Volkswagen cheating scandal. Settlements to all the states, I guess. And and so you're That's asking right. for part of that uh, money. To be used for the school buses, what uh, what would that do for for the air? Do you have numbers? Well, there have been some studies. In fact, I'm having the Div- Division of Air Quality uh, do a uh, analysis on the number of buses. But uh, you know, uh, it's significant. There, there are two things here. Certainly, these uh, polluting school buses, and they run about ten thousand miles a year, ten fifteen thousand miles a year, depending. And they do certainly pollute into the airship. But the other danger of them is the uh, the danger of the exhausts idling. Uh, in in school parking lots, when they let young kids are getting on and off the buses and sitting, that's very very dangerous. So that's another component that's really kind of hard to measure, but everyone knows it's there. So your school bus measure, uh, the governor mentioned it. You got uh, potential money from uh, Volkswagen. Yes. Do you think that's going to pass? You know, I think it will. I think it will pass. Uh, it's been very popular. Everyone loves it, but there's just been no money. I, this is the fourth year I've, I've I've worked on this, brought this forward. So this is kind of nice, and so it's not really a bill because you can't appropriate the money because the money's going to come in grants over the next three to five years. So it's a resolution that urges the governor's office through the Division of Environmental Quality to dedicate these funds to these school buses, and was pretty pleased that the governor uh, referenced it last night. And uh, so I think we have a, I think we have some good headwind, hmm. as we say. What uh, you mentioned two measures. What's the other measure? The other measure is HB twenty nine. Energy Efficient Vehicle Tax Credit Amendments. This is renewing the electric vehicle tax credit. This expired on December 31st of 2016. Uh, I ran the bill last year, but it ran into a little glitch at the last minute. So we're trying to renew it with a three-year renewal. This is very exciting. You know, I mean, electric vehicle, zero emission. There are about 2,500 in this many, many hundreds of thousands of cars in the state of Utah. And uh, this is a $1,500 tax credit from the state of Utah. So it's a modest way to, to try to stimulate early adoption of these vehicles. 
and it's really about market transformation as well. And, you know, Rocky Mountain Power, if I can add this, just got this multi, I think it's a $4 million grant to put in a charging station backbone from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. So we're going we're gonna to have the backbone. Let's, uh, let's stimulate a little bit and let's get more electric vehicles. What uh, what do you think about the uh, <clears throat> one of the proposals from Mesa Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance talks about, and I think gen- in general organizers of the rally uh, from Saturday uh, talk about a a uh, serious SIP, uh, a what they call a bold plan from the EPA, which is set a uh, that organization set a, a deadline for the end of 2017. Uh, legislature, the governor has a role in this. In in they can charge, they can make suggestions at least to the uh, Division of Air Quality. What would you like to see suggested to well, the Well, what DAT? I would like to see is a, a, the, the, the state improvement plan. So the EPA is going to impose some, some additional restrictions. Frankly, this is good news for my bill. This tells that the EV bill, this, 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 for both bills, this says to legislators, hey, you know what? We're not, what we're doing isn't, isn't working well enough. It's not working mm-hmm. well enough. So we've got to, we've got to accelerate our steps and uh, our initiatives that we're doing. So two great things, um, you know, more electric vehicles and uh, zero-emission electric vehicles, and let's get rid of these dirty diesel school buses. What do you think the appetite for action is at the legislature regarding uh, air quality? It's, it, oh, and, I, think and, it's, I think it's very good. I mean, I think that we have to remember that, look, the air is cleaner than it has been since 1952. Yes. And it's, it, it, it is cleaner, but we have a growing population, we have more vehicles on the road, and uh, we have to do everything we can do to stay ahead of this. And uh, the EPA is going to hold our feet to the fire to do some, uh, you know, some, some, some things that we haven't done in the past. And the governor talked about tier, tier three fuels, and that, that will hopefully, you know, do, do, do a lot, too. Uh, Representative Stephen Handy, Republican from uh, Layton, has joined us. Uh, thanks so much. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Very busy times for him. Appreciate him uh, taking some time. Uh, later in the program, we're going to be talking with Senator Luce Escamilla, Democrat from uh, Salt Lake City. Earlier, we talked with si- Soren Simonson from Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance. We've talked with our listeners, Cheryl and Maria. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think uh, ought to be done, uh, not only at the Utah legislature, but in general? What uh, behavior modifications uh, should we make in our lives? What should be done in industry? And how are you doing? How, how are you and your family doing uh, on those uh, bad air days? We bring in now uh, Dr. Brian Mensch from uh, Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment. Um, uh, and uh, Dr. Mensch, welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I know it's uh, busy for you. You're a, a busy surgeon, so thanks for taking some some time. Um, you were at the rally, I believe. Yeah, we've uh, we've had three rallies now out of the last four years, and this one was hampered a bit by the treacherous road conditions, but we still had several hundred people show up, and it was really inspiring to see and make that kind of an effort. This one's titled Clean Air, No Excuses. Seems to be uh, a bit of impatience in terms of Actions, especially coming out of the Utah legislature, organizers describe actions as incremental. And uh, uh, what are you calling on the legislature to do? Well, we we certainly want the, the legislature to be a lot more aggressive than they've been in the past. Um, we we oftentimes hear that well, our our air is in fact cleaner than it used to be, and that's true. Although it's not much cleaner, really. 
but what's different now is that the medical literature has advanced so much in the last 10 to 15 years, especially in the last five years, and we know so much more about what air pollution does to public health that it has really ramped up the urgency to deal with this problem. Not that necessarily our our overall air pollution is a lot worse than it was when people lived uh, along the Wasatch Front and burnt coal in their homes and that kind of stuff. The air was terrible back then, but that's not really the standard we should be shooting for. We should look at what the science is telling us is doing to our health, and we should really address it. And I'll just give you a maybe two examples of studies that were published just within the last year that highlight why we feel such an urgency about it. One study showed, in fact, and this was a study of autopsy specimens, patients ranging in age from 3 to 92. These researchers found that these tiny particles in the air pollution that we breathe actually penetrate into our brains. Now, they get there by a couple of different routes, but the point is, these tiny particles can actually lodge in any cell in your body, and they can do damage anywhere. And we know, for instance, in the case of the brain, that these particles are contributing to brain dysfunction, uh, memory loss, probably to the broad spectrum of dementias that we kind of lump under a name Alzheimer's. And the fact that these researchers found them in, in uh, patients who had died from other causes as young as three years old, we know that virtually from the get-go, air pollution from the beginning of life is harming us. Other studies show that, in fact, uh, it's harming fetal development. Another group of studies this year showed that, in fact, the air pollution that some of us who are old enough to have been breathing air pollution back in the 70s, that air pollution back in the 70s is still statistically shortening our lifespan. Uh, one study followed people who were either in utero or born during the Great London Smog event of 1952. Sixty years later, those people who had been exposed to that one weekend event, that event only lasted four days, like some of our inversions, those people 60 years later were statistically having higher rates of lung disease. So that, well, that tells us a couple of things. One is... Even these short-term air pollution episodes have to be addressed because they're doing harm to us. It tells us that, uh, in fact, this and, and hundreds of other studies tell us that no amount of air pollution is safe. Every single bit of air pollution has some consequence. And even if people don't have symptoms from it, we know that it's still harming their health, contributing to chronic disease, uh, increasing their blood pressure, shortening their lifespan. In fact, the average person who lives along the Wasatch Front probably has their life shortened maybe an average of two years. But if the fact that it contributes also to heart attacks and strokes and premature death, we estimate that somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people along the Wasatch Front actually die every year due to our air pollution. So, yeah, our air pollution is a little better than it used to be, but we know so much more about what it's doing to us that it's really ramped up the urgency to address it. So I think what, you, what, you're, what you're addressing, Dr. Mench, is uh, I think there is a division, um, you know, uh, between people who are affected and uh, people who aren't, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, and, you know, ostensibly, apparently. You're yeah. telling us we're all affected, even yeah, if I'm not uh, having some, a breathing problems people, on a bad air day. 
yeah, some people do have symptoms from air pollution, and that's easily understood, but a lot of us don't have symptoms. But just because we don't have symptoms doesn't mean that we aren't being harmed. And in fact, we are. Um, and the earlier in life you are, the more harm it's doing. Uh, we know, if, for instance, like I alluded to, it, it harms fetal development. And in that respect, it contributes to virtually the entire range of pregnancy complications. And any time you have a pregnancy complication like a premature birth or a low birth weight, those aren't complications that people get over in a few years. Those have lifelong consequences in that those people have an increased vulnerability to chronic adult diseases throughout their lifetime. So even these short-term episodes are harming people, some more than others, the youngest ones usually the most. But even if you don't personally have symptoms, that air pollution is still doing you harm. It's shortening your lifespan. It's causing what we call a low-grade inflammatory response that becomes distributed throughout the body via the arterial system. And then a whole variety of chronic disease can be the end result. And in fact, this year, there was something like, um, we now have about 50 different medical studies showing that air pollution contributes to type 2 diabetes. Now, who would have thought that? But that's what we know that systemic inflammatory response can do to people. So the range of diseases uh, is much broader than people realize. And so air pollution contributes to a lot of these things, including cancer. The World Health Organization has declared air pollution the most important environmental cause of cancer. So it, it's harming our public health in so many new ways. We really need to address it. Whether it's cleaner than it was 10 years ago, to us, that's not the issue. Uh, Dr. Mitch, I'm not sure how long you, you can stay on with us. Well, I've got to leave right now to go take oh, care of a patient, okay, but it's okay. been great talking with you. <laughs> okay, I, I knew we had you on for a brief time, so we really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Dr. Brian Mensch, Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment. Well, thanks for having me. <clears throat> Um, Dr. Mensch was in a, representing his organization at the rally, the Clean Air No Excuses rally. It happened on Saturday in Salt Lake City. Organizers say that each year clean air protections measures are considered at the legislature. Each year many of those proposals fail to become law. It's time for a change, they say. It's time for Utah's elected leaders to listen to the people. And so here's your chance to uh, get your, uh, your voice heard. We're bringing on shortly uh, Senator Luz Escamilla. A Democrat representing Salt Lake City and area, and we've had with us Soren Simonson from Mormon Environmental Stewardship Alliance just there, uh, Dr. Brian Mensch uh, from Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment, and we heard from Representative Stephen Handy, Republican from Layton. Let's take a brief break. When we come back, I believe we'll have Senator Escamilla, and we'll have an email from uh, Catherine, which brings up some interesting points. We'd love to hear from you. What do you suggest or demand or what, whatever you, however you would phrase it, from the Utah legislature regarding air quality? What else can be done? Perhaps uh, you'd suggest from your personal life what you're doing. And uh, how are you being affected? What symptoms are you uh, experiencing? Although Dr. Mensch said we're all being affected by the bad air. We'll talk about this more following this break. This week in This American Life, Blake's friend Camille sent him an old photograph of herself. In it, she's a little kid on vacation with her family in Canada. And then I glanced back at the picture and I saw my grandma walking through behind her. Blake and Camille grew up in different states. Camille didn't know him at that age or his grandma. Coincidences, do they mean anything this week? Join us Saturday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. 
Imagine a world without borders. Nations spend so much time and energy policing and controlling borders at the cost of so much human suffering. Why should so many people's fates be determined by the place they were born? Rethinking Borders, next time on To the Best of Our Knowledge from PRI. Join us Sunday morning at 9 on Utah Public Radio. We're talking about air quality on Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we're looking for your experience. Uh, what, uh, how is this affecting you, at least with the uh, symptoms? The doctor mentioned just uh, told us we're all being affected adversely uh, by uh, those bad air days. Uh, organizers of the Clean Air No Excuses rally, which happened on Saturday in Salt Lake City, uh, want uh, action ramped up at the Utah legislature. We want to know what your suggestion is and how are you being affected on those uh, bad air days. Um, we have an email from Catherine, and I uh, believe we have Senator Escamilla with us. Uh, Senator Luce Escamilla, the Democrat from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me, uh, Senator Escamilla, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this uh, email first from uh, Catherine, then uh, get your response to that, and then, then we'll uh, talk in general. Uh, here's what Catherine uh, says. Uh, she's emailed us, by the way, to upraxcess at gmail.com. You can as well, upraxcess at gmail.com. And you can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. So here's Catherine. I'm surprised at the amount of people who are not aware of our bad air quality. Most people I talk to tell me they aren't affected by the bad air, which I know uh, it's just that they aren't educated about the harm. I go to elementary schools, and two out of three cars are idling, and I can smell fireplaces burning, uh, says Catherine. Uh, she goes on, why aren't government agencies getting on board to help educate the public? The health department does a great job with the Parents Empowered uh, campaign. Why can't they help reduce idling or help spread accurate information? The air quality meetings I've been to, the health department is there, but they're silent. Maybe you could investigate this and have them on a future program. We pay these people with our taxes, and I want to, to get more for my money. Uh, would it also be possible to get the Mormon Church on board? If education was given at church, it could really help. Uh, Catherine concludes, This year my lungs and chest have started to hurt, and I do wear an N95 mask, not, not to protest, but to just uh, try to keep the pollution from doing more harm than it already has. Thanks, uh, Catherine. Uh, so, Senator Escamilla, first of all, uh, education from government agencies. Is, is there something the legislature can mandate that the agencies do, like the health department at the meetings, which uh, Catherine <laughs> says are silent? You know, I, I agree. I think the more government, I mean, funding issues, sometimes it's hard to allocate funding for that education component. I mean, we have, uh, I'll give you an example, and for example, Medicaid enrollment for children. We don't do any outreach even though there is available, you know, healthcare coverage for children. So I, the state legislature has been shy of doing that. And we, as, as Democrats, have been pushing some of those bills, um, including using alternative, uh, you know, uh, having tax rebates for alternative energy or other things that could have an impact on, on, on the environment. But I, I, it is a crisis, and it's a public health crisis. I've been working on issues related to air quality for a while, and, you know, we, it took me years to move the statute of limitation from one year to two years to polluters, you know, companies that are polluting our, our environment. And I've been trying to uh, raise the, the fines. We still have the fines from 1980. 
when it comes to polluters. So there is a lot of policy that the legislature can do, and I agree with with your um, listener and with the, the concerns in Utah are huge, especially if you live in the valley. I have developed asthma. Senator, you're you're uh, you're uh, Senator, you're breaking up just a little bit. Maybe you put the the, the mouthpiece closer to your mouth. Mm. Oh yes, I'm sorry about oh, that. So okay. I was saying that it's it's an issue that impacts everyone, and and we're we all should be concerned about this. Yeah, uh, it, um, and Dr. Mench was telling us that even if we don't have symptoms, we're we're probably being uh, you know adversely affected. Uh, what um, this the, the title of this this current rally, "Clean Air, No Excuses," uh, indicates an impatience. I, I don't know if you uh, got that uh, uh, vibe from the from the rally on Saturday. Yes, and I and you know I was there, and and there were hundreds of people, and 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 we we're just excited that people are speaking up. But we need them to be very consistent on their on their advocacy for for them and their families. We need them to be also speaking up on, on the uh, when they're voting. You know, I mean, if people are not responding to their needs, people should not be getting reelected. And, and in Utah, they are getting reelected. So, mm-hmm. I I really um, encourage people that not only attend the rally, but make sure they're emailing their legislators, reminding them that they need them to address this issue, as a, you know, as a priority, and also to be um, electing people that really care about their health. In Utah, we have the third highest rate of autism, and studies have come out saying that autism is related to the air quality of the mother when she's pregnant and the children. So, I mean, there is a lot of, a lot of other healthcare issues where beyond the respiratory problems that are so, you know, so obvious and we all face them, that we know it has uh, an adverse impact on the quality of life of a child. Are there uh, just quickly? We just have a couple of minutes left. Are, are there specific bills that you would would uh, tout, or are you supporting Representative Handy's school bus initiative and the, and the credits well, for electric vehicles? Ab- absolutely. And and let me just start by saying that I I am very grateful for the leadership of, of Representative Handy on this issue. And and by the way, we do have an air quality caucus that's bipartisan, and I happen to co-chair from the Senate side, the Democratic side, and that has been really good. I think it's been effective. We've moved a little bit of the political rhetoric. Uh, from this issue and try to just focus on policies. That representative handy's bill will probably be reality, but what I mean I'll tell you what is interesting. It's gonna happen because we're getting a settlement money, not because the state legislature is investing on this. And I and, and that's important to address as well. So for years we've been proposing this bill because uh, school buses have been one of the worst polluters in the state. And suddenly we are now gonna do something because we have thirty two point five million dollars that we have to allocate to to admission impact based on a settlement. So, you know, I'm glad we're doing it, but I don't know that I can give credit to the legislature because that money is not coming from us. It's a settlement money. Mm. So, um, yes, we're supporting that one. I'm also running a bill, and I'm still in the drafting process, addressing the potential pollution coming to the northwest quadrant of Salt Lake City because of the uh, building of the state prison and and that development on that area. We're going to have a lot of trucks and a lot of transportation driving through those communities, bringing the fill to start building, a, you know, a building like the state prison. So I'm I'm writing a bill to address some of that potential and try to mitigate that. I want to fit this in. Um, appreciate Senator Escamilla and, and, the, and the work that she's doing. I want to just at the end here fit in this email from Carl. 
Uh, Carl says, I have asthma that's aggravated by the inversions, so I'm for anything that will improve air quality. I bicycle to work until there's too much snow, making it too dangerous to do so. I probably could do better and ride the bus when the weather's bad. I'll work on that. I'd like to see the diesel pickups have emissions tests too. And why is it okay to modify them, making them pollute more? That's uh, from, from Carl. Uh, so we're just about to the, the end of the program. Uh, it's, it's Senator Escamilla, if, if you had, um, you know, magic wand, if you were the queen of the legislature, what, what is one measure that you would like to see, to see passed? Um, I would like to address, again, the fines for polluters. We need to do more in terms of what type of incentives we're providing for the, the, the public at large so they can change some of their habits. Uh, because I agree, this is actually everyone's responsibility. It's not only the government. We all need to change our habits, whether it's idling or um, <clears throat> the type of vehicles that we're using and the type of emissions that we're producing. So our footprint and more education, absolutely. I think that's that's critical. But I'll give you an example. Today, there's another air quality, and there's a lot of children. And I think what's really, to me, you know, there's hope when I see this many children engaged, and they are they're saying enough is enough, and I, I think they are going to be able to make a big difference in the way um, we we are living, but we need to make sure that we're providing them with a good, a good place for them to live and have a good quality of life. We are at the end of our time. Uh, Senator Luz Escamilla, a Democrat from uh, Salt Lake City, has been with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, we'll keep our eye on these issues, of course, uh, through the legislative uh, session. We'll be talking about air quality. Keep the conversation going. We'd love to know what uh, you're doing and what your suggestion for the legislature is. Upraccess at gmail.com so you can keep the conversation going. And thanks for listening to Access Utah today. Utah Public Radio is a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. Heard at KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan. Streaming online at upr.org.